Well, good morning. Uh, this is our uh, sixth week to do worship this week, this way. And if you're a guest, first time joining us, I'm David. I'm the pastor. We're so glad uh, that you can uh, be here celebrating with us. I know it's, it's, it's uh, kind of a frustrating way to be doing things. It has been for us, but I'm going to tell you, we are so thankful. Uh, I personally am so thankful. Our church is so blessed uh, to be able to have the resources, the people on staff, volunteers, our technicians, uh, all the people who can put so many hours in uh, to allow us to worship this way. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful for that. I know it's always kind of a strange doing things this way. I, I miss y'all. We, we, the auditorium is empty except for the few of us that are here. Uh, I appreciate so much the uh, FBC Together stuff. Keep sending that stuff in. Uh, we like it. It's good to have that up there. I didn't know we had so many dogs uh, that watched our services. I was a little surprised. Uh, Troy Tudor, our executive pastor, told me that a couple of them, though, are pretty good givers, so we're thankful uh, that we have that. Uh, I noticed my dogs weren't in the picture. Debbie tells me that uh, when I come up, my dogs just look at me and go right back to sleep. So uh, nothing changes uh, in their world. They're not impressed to see me uh, at all. There's a lot of cool things happening, some different stories. Uh, Joe Andrews, our campus pastor, was telling me just a few moments ago before everything happened of a, of a cute little story that happened in, in their family this week. He said uh, early in the week, uh, they were kind of there, and one of the kids came up to Joe's wife, Leanne, and uh, said, uh, Mommy, am, am I adopted? And Leanne said, of course not, honey. I just put the ad on Facebook this morning. So, um, you know, there's things that happen in our life. Obviously, I stole that from someplace. But, uh, you know, you, you, you go through this thing, and, and I know this COVID-19 can be tough. I, I know for some people it's harder than it is for others. All of us are trying uh, to make the most of it, the best of it, and, and it can be difficult. And it's a reminder to us, though, that life, life can be hard at times. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm at an age where I can think back uh, over, over the, 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 the experience of my life. And Debbie and I, we have gone through some difficult times uh, in our life. Not in our marriage, but I mean just difficult times that we have faced as part of life. Over 30 years ago, an unbelievable event happened in, 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 it just, in a moment, in, in just a, a snap of the fingers. Uh, our life was changed for three years. It's an ordeal that lasted almost exactly three years to the day for us. It, it was the hardest thing we've ever gone through. Uh, it was one of those things that just challenges your faith. Uh, Kelly was just a baby, and of course, fortunately, she doesn't remember anything about it, but it was just a, such a difficult time. And you, and you just keep wondering, God, why, why, why? Uh, why did we go through all this, and, and then it's over, and it just ends. And you look back, and you see all that God did to get you through that hard, hard time. But in the midst of that, uh, there was a passage of Scripture that became so important to me. And when that ordeal was over, and, and, and there was nothing we could have done to prevent it, there was nothing we could do to make it stop, it was through no fault of our own. When it was over, the first sermon I preached was from the passage that I'm in today. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about when life gets hard. And when life gets hard, I want you to, to see what James says to us in chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. And this is, this is what he says. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and that endurance have its perfect results, so that you may be perfect and complete, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And so uh, I'm going to come here to this passage today. And what I want to do is just ask a very simple question. Uh, and, and, and it's one that I don't even you know, know we can ever completely answer, but it's this. As a follower of Jesus, how should I view hard times? 
as a follower of Jesus, how should I view hard times? Now, the book of James is probably the first of any of the New Testament books written. Uh, James, this James is, is the brother of Jesus. I don't have time to explain all that to you. You can do some research, but he's the brother of Jesus. And he probably wrote this book um, about around 48 or so A.D., probably the first of anything actually written uh, that we have in the New Testament. And, and James, as we know from the book of Acts, was the pastor. He was the leader of the church of Jerusalem. And Christianity at this time was predominantly Jewish. They were Jewish Christians. There were a few Gentiles, you know, in, in, in different parts of the world, there were some people who had begun to believe as Gentiles, but predominantly it was Jewish. Paul had, was just in the process of beginning this great ministry in which within a decade would see Christianity become predominantly Gentile. Uh, but, but this pastor, this pastor at the Jerusalem, understanding that Christians, Jewish Christians, were, be, were suffering because of their faith, wrote this letter. And he wrote it, and he says to the 12 tribes scattered, he wrote it to all believers, but dominated by the fact that they were, were Jewish and, and in their origin. And he wrote this encouraging letter to them. It's a pastoral letter that talks about life and talks about how to serve and talks about their faith and, and the works that they do as a result of their faith. And he wrote this at a time, and understand, you know, we know that Paul had really persecuted Christians. In fact, he was throwing them in jail, putting them to death if he could. Uh, Jewish Christians could lose their homes. They could lose uh, friendships. Family could disown them. There was a lot of pressure put on them. And so James wrote this letter. In these first few verses, he introduces it in chapter 1, but in verse 2, 3, and 4, uh, there are three things that I want you to see. Uh, from the passage today. And the first thing I want you to see uh, really for them is the challenge they had. They had a challenge. And here was a challenge. Followers of Jesus were facing hard times. As a follower of Jesus, they, they were facing really hard times. Now, um, as, as we come with this verse, verse 2 says, consider it pure joy or all joy, uh, brothers. Now, to share with you that the term brothers, and I know in our culture today that it seems somewhat sexist to say that, but you, you can't view everything from our culture. Sometimes you've got to understand where other cultures come from. Brothers just means the, the, the fathers of Jesus, male and female. It's just, it was a generic term to them. They didn't, they didn't worry about stuff like that. And so, you know, James really is writing in this passage to Christians, and this is the sort of thing that can help us. Now, if a person's not a follower of Jesus, that doesn't mean it can't be beneficial to them. I know there are people who are watching today, and you know, we're on the Facebook, and we're on YouTube, and, and we're on our website, and, and people are watching who probably aren't followers of Jesus. That doesn't mean you should just turn everything off, or mute me, or, or just walk away. <clears throat> that doesn't mean this isn't important to you. One of the really unique things about Christianity is that the way we live our life, the way we deal with difficulties can be a real attraction. It can be, it can be a real uh, working of, of drawing people in. And people can say, you know, the way Christians deal with difficulties, the way Christians deal with tragedy can make Christianity appealing. And so I want to encourage you, even if you're not a follower of Christ, this, this still can be beneficial to you. But at the same time, some of it may be hard for you to grasp. So he's talking to followers of Jesus, and, and he says, I want you to consider or count everything joy. I'm going to talk about joy in just a moment. But understand, he says, I want you to count it all joy when you encounter trials of different types. The word encounter means to me, and it's the idea of stumbling into. It's the process of going through life 
and stumbling into difficulty. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, uh, Luke is uh, recounting Jesus' telling of the Good Samaritan. And he says, there was a man who fell among thieves. This is the word, to fall among, to, to fall into through no fault of your own. See, the hard times we're talking about are things that happen through no fault of your own. Specifically, there are things that are going to happen to you as a result of being a follower of Jesus. They were going to fall into trials, many types of trials, simply because they're a follower of Jesus. And so that's the the immediate context of this passage. Now, what we're talking about and what we experience in day-to-day life, very rarely as a follower of Jesus do we experience difficulties simply because we're a follower of Jesus. In other parts of the world, they do. Uh, You know, there's over 2 billion Christians. One in eight Christians in the world suffers persecution. 250 million plus, 216 million suffer persecution. And so they're suffering for their faith. This really applies to them. Uh, But to the rest of us, there's a fundamental principle at stake. And so the principle would be, you know, when you fall into hard times, regardless, and certainly when we look at the COVID-19 situation, we're falling into a difficult time, and so it can be a great benefit to us. This is not talking about things that may happen to you because of your sin or your foolishness. Um, A man who, who cheats on his wife, and his wife, you know, kicks him to the curb, and rightly so, maybe, and divorces him. It's not talking about what happens to him as a result of his sin. It, it may apply to his wife and kids, but not to the man. If, you, uh, if you're lazy uh, at work and you don't work hard and they decide to fire you, this really isn't talking to you because you brought that on yourself. This is the things, the difficulties of life that happen to us through no fault of our own. They are, fall into, it says, trials of many types. The word trial, <coughs> excuse me, the word trial is the word for pressure. Uh, it can be used temptation. It can be testing. In verse 12, uh, James would say, uh, when you are tested or tempted, do not say that God is tempting you. It's the same word. Uh, when you're feeling this pressure that comes upon your life. And so this, this word is the word kind of for persecution, for pressure, of uh, being forced to do something uh, beyond what you would normally do. They're the, called the trials of many types, many colors, various. And so James is saying there are a large variety of pressures that will happen into your life or could happen. When they happen, understand this, it is an opportunity for joy. Joy is one of the, the great uh, concepts and the, one of the great teachings of the Christian faith. I know outside Christianity in the world we live in, we talk about joy, but really the concept of joy comes basically from the New Testament. Now, joy is, is not the same thing as happiness. It's not, a, it's not subjective. See, happiness is subjective. Uh, back when we had sports to go to, you know, you had ball games to go to. And right now, you know, it'd be baseball season. We'd be trying to figure out a way to go see baseball games. But it, it, when you go to a sporting event, when your team wins, you're happy. And when they lose, you're sad or mad or whatever. Circumstances dictate the emotion. Joy is not simply an emotion. It's not something that is dictated to by your circumstances. This is what joy really is. Joy is an attitude of genuine hope confidence and thankfulness that comes from trusting Christ. It is an attitude, okay? And it's an attitude that comes from Jesus, your faith in Jesus. It's described as having hope. Um, It's described as as having confidence of being thankful to God. It's not that you're thanking God for the difficulty at hand, but it's you're thanking God that in the difficulty 
you have him to rely on as a follower of Jesus. If the reason uh, you face the hardship is because of your faith in Jesus, you would thank Jesus that you are counted worthy of suffering because of your faith, that you have him. But even if it's something beyond our control, the joy comes not that we're experiencing it, but that Christ will experience it with us. You know, Paul writes a lot about joy. Uh, in, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, the vast book he, he writes, he, he talks about wanting to see Timothy in, in, in the tears of joy that he would have. Um, even in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, verse 6, the people at the church at Thessalonica are, are beginning to feel affliction and suffering. And he says they receive the word with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It is, is that understanding as a follower of Jesus that whatever you go through, Jesus is there, other Christians are there, and so your attitude of joy. So that's the challenge. The challenge they had was that hardship was coming in their life. And Paul tells them to have joy. Now, he gives them, secondly, a reason, a reason to have joy, and it's this. The reason is the challenge to their faith served a purpose. The reason is the challenge of their faith served a purpose. It's probably going to pop up there you go, on your TV right there. And so he, he's telling them that when you have joy, understand you're considering it joy. The reason is this. Knowing, he says, that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Because you can know something. You have the knowledge of something, the understanding of something, and it is the testing of your faith. He says you have this faith in Jesus. It is an opportunity of testing. Now, the word testing here is different than the word for trial uh, that we saw earlier. They're, they're similar. Trial is the, is, the, is the pressure that's coming upon you. The testing is, is what it produces or what it does. It allows you to prove a, the, the genuineness of your faith. Put it this way. Uh, when you're in school... <laughs> and, you know, you take tests, and I took a lot of tests. You know, you, there was elementary school, middle school, six years of high school, you know. I had four years working on a bachelor, six years working on a master, six years working on a doctorate. I took a lot of tests, and here's what tests are supposed to do. If the teacher is any good, the test is supposed to let you demonstrate what you know. It's a chance for you to prove yourself. And so this testing of your faith, is a chance for you to prove, prove your faith. <coughs> Excuse me. And the testing of your faith, it says, does this. It allows you to produce or work out endurance. The word endurance is so important. Some of your versions may have perseverance. It may have steadfastness. It, it, it may have patience. And those are great terms. Patience, uh, is a, a lot of them have, but patience kind of is a passive thing that you're kind of doing, dealing with the ordeal and you're just doing patience. But endurance is really an active concept. <clears throat> it means to work through the hardship that, so that you're stronger, to work through the ordeal so that you grow in the process. Um, this summer, we were supposed to have the Olympics, and it's kind of a bummer we're not going to have them. We'll have them next year, so that's good that they'll come. But uh, the athlete, especially the, the world-class athlete who goes to the Olympics, they go through so much difficulty. They go through so many challenges. They have so many obstacles. They have so many hardships. It could be injury. It could be getting up at four in the morning to work out. It could be setbacks along the way. You lose a race. You lose a bout. You, 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 you lose a competition. But all of those, they have to overcome. They have to endure them in order to qualify to be in the Olympics. That's the mindset that we are to have. 
That when we're going through the difficulties, Paul says, consider it. I mean, excuse me, James says, consider it all joy when you suffer these trials. Because it is a testing of your faith that produces in you something fantastic as a follower of Jesus. It produces endurance. And so for a Christian, this is an opportunity to demonstrate who we are in Jesus. Now, it's not, it's not the opportunity for us to blame God. Uh, in verse 13, uh, James says, when, when you are tempted, which is the same word in verse 2 for the trial you had, do not say God is tempting you. For God does not, is not tempted by evil, nor does he tempt us to do evil. Uh, James wants to make sure that they understand when things happen to you that are temptations to fa- to, for evil, God never is tempting you to do evil. God is never working in your life for you to fail. God only works in your life for you to succeed. I know with the COVID-19, there's a lot of tendency to want to blame someone. I was reading, you know, this morning, or this morning, somebody was blaming this person or that person. And, 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 you know, it's really foolish to think that there was someone within the United States that's to blame for all this. That's just, most of that's just politics. And that's, frankly, it's just, it's just insane. Nobody in America did anything to cause this to happen. It has just happened to us. Now, there are causes, and we know that. You can go outside America and find some of them. But, and that's not the purpose of the message. But it's saying we're not, we're not trying to blame something. Nor, nor are we simply to blame God. I know people blame God. And like, why would you blame God? You know, but God, God didn't bring this about. God didn't say, you know what, I think I'm going to come up with a virus and I'm going to have it begin in China and have it spread to the rest of the world. And I'm going to do this. I mean, that, that's not the way God works. It's, a, it's an immature way of looking at God. But God allowed it to happen. And here's the thing. So going through this, do not say that God is tempting me with all this or bringing this all upon me. But what the Lord is doing is allowing this so it's an opportunity for the, your faith as a follower of Jesus to be tested. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I don't know what to tell you. So what if I'm not a follower of Jesus? What does it mean? Well, it's an opportunity for you to trust Jesus. I will tell you that. Maybe what you need to do is give your life to Christ. But here's the thing. As a follower of Jesus, this is what I need to see about difficulties. Hard times reveal whether or not a person's faith in Christ is real. The hard times reveal whether or not a person's faith in Christ is real. Whenever I am looking for someone to fill a, in a position in, in church that has a lot of influence. In other words, they're, they're looking at a position that can, that they make decisions that can have a big impact. Financial decisions, personnel decisions, whatever. And I'm asking them to come alongside, when I look for staff members, to come alongside of what we're trying to do. There's a saying I have, I want to know that they have some skins on the wall. And what that means is this, I want to know that they have lived life and lived through some difficult times, and I want to know how they came out on the other side. Now, when I was young, I may not have felt that way, but now that I'm not as young as I used to be and having lived through a lot of difficult times, I want to make sure that the follower of Christ has grown enough that they can make it through the other side of difficulties. I want to know something about their faith. And when difficult times come in a person's life, I almost always look at how they handle that because it says something about their faith. Doesn't mean they don't struggle. Doesn't mean they don't get upset. It doesn't mean they don't get angry. It doesn't mean they don't even sin. I just want to know in the journey of this hard time, when they come out on the other side, have they dealt with it with joy? 
And have they taken advantage of the opportunity to reveal their faith? Because James tells us that there is an outcome that is desired through all of this. And here is the outcome. Enduring the challenge resulted in a mature Christian faith. That's what he tells them. When you endure the challenge, it results in a mature Christian faith. One of the things that I desire in my life, you know, as a father, and, uh, you know, you never stop fathering your children. Um, and, you know, my daughter's grown. But I, I always want her to be able to say, if there's one thing I learned from my dad, it's how to deal with the hard times. If, if there's one thing that my father taught me, how you deal with hard times. Times. And so James says, consider it all joy when you encounter the trials of different types, knowing, having the knowledge that your testing of your faith produces endurance. And then in verse 4 he says this, and let endurance have its perfect or completed work in you so that you may be complete, mature, or whole, lacking in nothing. So he gives a command. And the command is have, let it have. The word have is a command. Let endurance have something. Let this ordeal you're going through have something. Let have its perfect or completed work. The, the, the word perfect is the word, uh, Greek word is the word telos. Three weeks ago when I was preaching uh, the series on the cross, the Sunday before Easter, and I said, Jesus says it is finished, John uh, chapter 19, and of our starting in the word finished, uh, excuse me, uh, means uh, com- completed, it's done. Uh, it's over with. And, and one of the things I shared is it speaks of coming to the end with a purpose in mind. And, and so the idea of this, and some of your versions have, have its perfect work. It doesn't mean flawless. Uh, in, in, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, in the, at the end of the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus has, has talked to them about their attitudes they need to have. You know, it's, it's not enough not for you not to commit murder, don't hate anybody. It's not enough for you not to commit adultery, don't lust after anybody. You know, he's talked about those things. And what he says is be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Or be complete. Uh, your Christian walk, your attitudes need to be whole. It's not saying be flawless or sinless, so that would be ideal. But that's, that's a standard we can't ever match. What he's saying is it needs to come to the logical conclusion. Let endurance come to its logical conclusion. So that, the word so that means with the result of something happening. And here's what James says. That you may be complete and whole, not having anything of lacking. The word complete is the same word he just used. It means to come to an end. Here the idea, I think, is maturity. Some versions have mature. Come to the finished product of your faith, mature. There's another word used that also means complete. It has the idea of wholeness, all the parts coming together. It's, it's like if you took a jigsaw puzzle, all the parts fit to make the puzzle whole. So what he's saying is this. The work that endurance needs to have is that you be mature and whole. As a follower of Jesus, you're not going to lack anything in your endurance. Your endurance is right where it needs to be. When you come to the Olympics and you have the great athletes and they compete in their contest, when the contest is over, they are able to cross the finish line. They're able to to do whatever the contest requires because their endurance has been completed. They're mature. They're whole. They lack nothing. That's the attitude that we have. That's the desired outcome for us. And so we, we, we look and we see in this passage that we need to deal with these difficulties. In, in, in verse 12, 
James says this, blesses the person who overcomes, endures these trials, the, the pressures, and show themselves approved. Uh, the word approved means to be proved. It's the two words used earlier for trial and testing are used. You know, the blessed is the person who endures these trials. They have proved themselves <clears throat> for, for them a crown of thorns awaits the Lord and for those who love him. He's saying your life is blessed. Joy is a blessed state. Consider it all joy. Joy is not subject to circumstances. It is the condition of your life. When you have an attitude of joy, you are blessed. You come out on the other side. That's what James is saying. He's saying, look, guys, you're going to go through some difficulties. You've got to come out on the other side. When, when, when we as a follower of Jesus, as a follower of Jesus, and, and we were facing, you know, this whole coronavirus thing, it is so frustrating. As a pastor, it is so frustrating. There are so many things that my instinct to do that I can't do. You know, and I'm looking at, you know, week after week, we, we, we see, you know, an empty auditorium. There's a few people, the band people are there, I see a couple of band people, wake up. Uh, a couple of staff guys around saying, how long is he going to go? Uh, the tech people trying to make sure I look good. I was told I need more makeup. Evidently, I'm going to have to have a makeup artist start coming and working on the way that I look, which, like, that's going to do any good. I mean, we, all this stuff, and there's so many things that we want to do, and <clears throat> so many things. We've canceled this. We've postponed that. It's frustrating. But here's the thing. Coronavirus provides an opportunity for me to grow as a pastor, to endure, to lead my congregation, to demonstrate to my congregation how do we deal with things. It is the opportunity that comes from years of dealing with hard times and years of struggling different things. This new chapter is an opportunity. You see, here's what happened. Hard times gives Christians opportunities. That's what we need to realize. Hard times give us opportunities. And what we've got to do is take advantage of those opportunities. Let me just share with you real quick three opportunities. The first opportunity it gives you and it gives me is to demonstrate our faith. Do we really have faith in God? <clears throat> do, do I have faith as a pastor, as a father of Jesus? God's going to get our church through this and we're going to be better than we were. I mean, we had so much momentum and this thing hit and we're like, oh my goodness, you know, what are we going to do about the growth we were having and the money, the situation, all this. And, you know, I've got to put all that aside and say, I can demonstrate my faith. You can demonstrate your faith. There are people who you know, especially those who are not followers of Christ or those who are young followers of Christ, you can demonstrate your faith to them. This is how Christians deal with hard times. Second thing you can do is develop your faith. It's an opportunity for you to grow. I mean, you, you should be studying scripture and you should be praying and you should be, you know, your connect group. If you're a part of a connect group, if you're not a part of a connect group, call Joe and get hooked up with one. I mean, we're doing things through Zoom. You know, praise God for technology. Whoever invented Zoom, you know, praise God for you. I hope you made a lot of money off of it. You deserve it. I mean, we're able to still come together and connect. I mean, share our, you know, we, we develop our faith. We grow through all of this worship. The other thing we do is we share our faith. There are people who need Jesus. <laughs> when they're going through something like coronavirus, they need Jesus. And we can share our faith. We may not be able to share it in person. Maybe we share it through texting. Maybe it's through phone calls. Maybe you're able to walk around in your community with people. I don't know if you're supposed to, but I see a lot of people walking together. And I saw a whole 
bunch of mamas and their kids walking together the other day, and I'm like, praise God. I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not, but go walk and enjoy life, Lavina. I don't think that's going to get me in trouble for saying that. I hope not. But if it does, praise God, we'll take that. But here's the thing. You have the opportunity to share your faith with people. And so we're dealing with all this as a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I I don't know what to tell you, but as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to consider this a time of joy. I'm not happy to go through it. I want to go back to my favorite restaurants. I want to get out and do things with people. There are even a few of you that I want to see again. Some of you I miss. But I have joy because in the midst of all of this, I'm going to endure. My faith is going to be shown. I'm going to demonstrate my faith. I'm going to develop my faith. I'm going to show my faith. God is going to bless me and bless you and bless our church. And we're going to be able to endure all of this. The first time that I ever really thought about preaching this passage, probably over 35 years ago, of studying it, I came across an illustration and it's just a classic illustration. And I, I remember to this day, this old preacher was talking about when he was young. So this is a really old illustration. And he said at his home, there was this emperor moth trying to get out of his cocoon. And he felt bad for it. And emperor moth's a beautiful moth. So he went and he cut a slit in the cocoon so the moth could get out. As soon as the moth got out, it just fell to the ground and died. And then he realized something. In order for the moth to survive, it had to endure the cocoon. You see, fighting through that cocoon made its wings strong. The the moth's body weight is way too big for its wings. The wings have to fight against the cocoon to develop the strength to help it survive. And the hard times give us the strength to endure life for the glory of God. Consider it joy. How do we as a follower of Jesus view hard times? With joy absolutely with joy. For some of you today, I want to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. And I know the COVID-19 situation is frustrating. And I know you're getting antsy. I know maybe it's just a struggle. But it's an opportunity for you to have joy. Keep your hope. Have confidence. Be thankful. Know that this is a test. It's testing your faith. And you're going to get through it. You're going to endure it. And when you have endured it, you're going to grow. So ask God to help you develop that faith, to grow in that faith. Take it with joy that you can get stronger, that you have faith. For some of you, you need to really be demonstrating your faith to others and sharing your faith with them. What are the opportunities you have to share your faith with people? If you're not a follower of Christ, and I know it's hard, and we love you, and we care for you. And if you ever need someone to talk to, for one thing, as soon as this service is over and the invitation, you can text RESPOND to a phone number. There'll be a phone number up. Text RESPOND. One of our pastors will get with you. But you can also email us. Go to our, our, our website where it says contact, contact us and send us information. But we want to help you. We love you. We care for you. But the most important thing you can ever do is give your life to Jesus. Now, I'm not saying it makes everything go away. But it gives you the ability to deal with the hard times. You can have this joy. It's so important in your life. I don't know what it is in life you've got to do. And I know this pandemic is hard for all of us. But I know this. James says, consider it all joy. 
knowing that this testing of your faith, it's a testing of your faith, will develop, produce endurance. And when the endurance has completed its work, you will be mature and whole. You'll lack in nothing. Praise God. Thank you, Father. That while this is a difficult time to go through, James gives us encouragement. This great pastor, the brother of Jesus, this, this man of God who understands pressure, says, here's what you need to know when times are hard, when life gets hard. And he says, consider joy. Help us have that joy. Help us to develop our faith, demonstrate our faith, and share our faith. And for the person who doesn't have faith, help them come to Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen and amen.